And let's go to the very first rule. 250.4a has to do with grounded systems. And here's what the code says in 250.4a1. And we don't want to use the word solidly grounded in our graphics. There's no need to say that. This is a system. You take a look at a system. You know what? I can't tell you how many years it took for me to understand what a system was. So that's the number one thing I want to establish. The system is the windings. Just simply the windings. So let's look at this graphic. You can see the windings are what? Shaded. That's the secondary system. This is the system where the energy comes from the electromagnetic coupling from the primary to the secondary. It moves those electrons on the secondary. Those electrons travel out and they go to a load and then those electrons will come back to the side. This is the electrical system. And we call this later on, uh, not even not right now, but we can call it later on, we call this a separately derived system. It's like if I took a coil of 12 gauge wire and connected it to uh, an extension cord and gave it power and put another coil of 12 gauge wire on top of that and connect it to a light bulb, well, the light bulb would come on. Well, because there's magnetic coupling between the two, but there's no direct electrical connection between the two. So the light bulb is connected to a system. It's insulated. It's independent of the other one. There's only magnetic coupling between the two. So the system has to be grounded. Well, let me phrase that. Most electrical circuits, most electrical systems that we, we do now is going to be a grounded system. And I'm going to kind of get into what that means here. So right now, the system is this winding. If I take this system and I connect it to this case, then I take this case and I connect it to this, extends the connection of the grounding electrode, which goes over to the anchor bolts, which gets over to the rebar here, then that provides a connection to the earth. So this winding is connected with this wire to this case. This case is connected to the steel column. The steel column is connected to the rebar. The rebar is connected to the earth then that means that this winding is grounded. Jacob, do you follow that? What I mean by grounding? Now, bonding would have been taking this lug, let's say it's on this panel, and then you run a, a wire, conductive wire back, and this lug is connected to this panel, and then you run a wire back over here to this transformer, and that wire is connected to this lug, and then this, this, this lug is connected back to the system here. That means so bonding would have been that if there was a fault, that fault current travels along this bonding parts, back over to the source. So that would be bonding. But grounding is this connection to the earth. Now, we don't know why we had this conversation about overvoltage of something that I said that, Jacob, you would never have heard this yet. We've never had conversations yet. So now, but let's read it. It says electrical power systems. And what are we talking about? Right there. That winding. Are grounded right there. To limit voltage induced by lightning. Let's just talk real quick about lightning. Voltage due to that lightning is when there's a lightning strike, there's a magnetic field that goes out. When, that magnetic field, when the magnetic field goes out, anytime you're moving a magnetic field through anything conductive, the magnetic field affects the electrons that have magnetic fields, it affects those valence electrons, and it tries to move them. Jacob, you follow that? So lightning strike creates this electromagnetic pulse, which is huge out there. All these conductors in the system, see the winding right here? When I say Jacob, talking about you guys that are not the experts that some of these guys are on the team here, but Jacob is a, is a student here, so I'm using him as my guide. Jacob, this winding here is insulated. I have wires coming off of that. They're insulated. 
So all this winding and all this system and all these conductors are all insulated. Visualize them as floating in the air. They're not connected in enclosures. We just have a winding. We just have wires just floating in the air. When there's a, uh, a lightning strike somewhere, not a direct lightning strike. Direct lightning strike, forget about it. It just wipes out everything in the building. So if a lightning strike somewhere creates an electromagnetic field, it pushes those electrons on that insulated conductors and the insulated winding. But what could happen is that it creates so much pressure that because it is on Earth, because it is actually in the Earth, it's not in the air, because actually it's in on the Earth, that it's in enclosures, and those enclosures are connected to the Earth, that the charge that's induced on those conductors is trying to go somewhere. And what it could do is it could discharge and just kind of arc, maybe like in the computer, where you have like a little phase conductor and a little neutral conductor and a little chassis board, and then they have like a little chassis ground. Well, all that energy gets on all the conductors, the voltage, the energy rises into the millions of volts, and it just does a little arc, spark. It discharges in motor windings and coils, and it wipes out equipment. So the theory is that, well, you know what? If we can take that electrical system and we can start making connections that ultimately make connections to the Earth, because that's what that charge is trying to get to, well, then for an instant of time, Jacob, just for the shortest amount of time, that charge gets discharged. Just, just gets out of there. Because if we don't and we leave it in the air, it gets charged. And it gets charged. And it gets more and more and more. And then ultimately, it's going to discharge somewhere and destroy equipment. It still might destroy it anyhow if you ground it, but we want to reduce the possibility. So, electrical power systems, that winding, are grounded, that connection that makes a connection to the earth, to limit voltage induced by lightning. Do you follow that concept a little bit? So that winding in the wires, okay, line surges. Well, that's a little different situation. A line surge has to do with the utility. See, all our power is coming from the utility. If utility has some kind of line surge, anybody have an example of a line surge? Can you think of something? Is that would be a lightning striking, Eric, you think, outside and inducing the voltage in the utility power lines? It could be. It could also be capacitors switching on the line, which will cause anomalies on the line uh, out of the scope of where we are right now. But Okay, but, it, it, Jacob, something happens with line surges that by making a connection to the earth, that line surge can temporarily just discharge it. And also, unintentional contact by higher voltage lines. Well, that's where a utility could have a power line, and it could drop down into another power line, but this is higher voltage, higher voltage be higher, and it could drop down into a lower voltage. Well, now it, the lower voltage power line, let's say it was 7200, now it becomes some much larger one. Well, now that's going to then go into all the buildings, right? So now it's going to raise it all up. So maybe it could help a little bit there by making the system connected to ground. And to stabilize the system voltage to ground during normal operation. This is a real vague, like, just so you know, all the stuff I'm talking about is like, <coughs> kind of maybe understanding what it's going to be, kind of. Let me go this way. Jacob, the winding and the conductors, they can build a charge for whatever reason. And there's a guy named Beeman. This is, I think, in the 50s book. And, uh, he says, listen, over voltages, uh, electrical, oh no, let's go back here. Grounding and uh, the reduce over voltage. It says from lightning. Well, that's a nice thing to say because that's probably the biggest one. But Beeman says that you could have 
nine, eight different conditions of mobile voltage. And number nine, number eight was lightning. He said, listen, there are many varied sources of mobile voltage of sufficient magnitude to be damaging to the insulation of AC industrial power distribution systems, the conductors. See, Jacob, if we damage the insulation of the conductors, then what's going to happen next? A fault. So we would rather not have these faults, right? We're really not. So he goes on. In this chapter, the, mechani the mechanisms in which the more prominent overvoltage created will be described and prevented measures suggested treatment of the following will include. So Beeman has a book, Industrial Power Systems, about what it is. Well, static electricity. Well, you could have static electricity, I guess, on conductors. Well, if you, if you connect it, go back. Oh, I can't. If you connect to the earth, well, that's going to discharge it. Uh, physical contact with higher voltage systems, resident effect in series inductive capacitor circuits, repetitive intermittent short circuits, that's uh, uh, restriking ground faults, switching surges, and you talked about that, you know, about the capacitors, forced current, zero current interruptions, auto transfer connections, and lightning. Let me tell you out of the eight which ones I understand. Actually, I don't understand, but I understand that I don't understand it. <laughs> I understand repetitive, intermittent, short circuits. That's where you have an ungrounded system and you have a fault. And then one phase just faults for a second. Just Well, once you take a system, and let me see if I can go. I'll talk about this later on where you can see that. But once you take a system and then it happens, it raises the voltage up and then you release it. And then, of course, and then it raises it up and then you, you restrike it. And then it goes higher. Da, 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 and, it goes, da, da, and it gets bigger and bigger. And when you have restriking ground falls, the voltage of the charge can get so big, it can be between six and eight times the actual normal voltage rate of the insulation. And there's going to be a discharge of the conductors. So when the discharge of the conductor, you have a ground fault. And then you're going to be Probably the last part you understood better than the first part. Okay. My point is that there are things that happened that they discovered back in the 40s and the 50s because they had systems that were not grounded. So they ran ungrounded systems, which was great. And there's advantages to ungrounded systems that right now is not the scope of this program. But the problem with ungrounded systems is what? Over voltage. So we've kind of like in the electrical system decided, you know what? The advantage of an ungrounded system is great, but for most applications, the damaging of equipment causing by overvoltage of all these high-level things is not worth it. So what do we do? We've established that we're going to ground our system. So what's the advantage of grounding a system? We don't have those problems. It's a trade-off. So we ground systems to reduce the overvoltage because of these systems. So now the coach says, well, if you take a look at the code, the coach says, well, if you're going to be in 250.4a, and a is talking about what? Grounded systems. Grounded systems. If you go to 250.4b, it talks about what? Ungrounded. Ungrounded system. So we're just following the code, and since a grounded system will always be a system, I okay, can't, that's not wrong. Okay. A grounded system will be, a 122.40 will be grounded. A 122.08 will be grounded. A 277.480 will be grounded. And so those are the primary systems that I'm going to be covering in this class, unless I talk about otherwise. I'm talking about grounded systems. Well, if you're talking about a grounded system, well, then you have to go to 250.4A1, Mike, and the code tells you, what do you got to do with a grounded system? Okay, so just a reminder, overvoltage is an issue. We solve overvoltage by what? Grounding the electrical system. 250.4A, we said earlier, was for grounding systems, and B is for ungrounded systems. So now, let me get one more slide here, and let's take a look at this, and then we're almost finished here. System grounding, which means connection to what? To the earth, that's the winding, helps reduce fires in buildings 
as well as voltage stress on electrical insulation, which ensures longer insulation life for motors, transformers, and other system components. Um, I guess the only way it could help reduce fires in a building is if you have equipment that fails because you have this high amount of energy over voltage and Beeman explained the eight different possibilities and then of course you wipe out equipment inside here. We're going to show an example, uh, a video here of lightning striking that could damage and could cause problems with the insulation of equipment inside of a building. Okay, Brian, so go ahead and show this picture here. Well, it didn't hit the building, and that's a key. However, if we had systems that was not grounded, that magnetic field could have induced so much energy on the conductors, and that's why the code tells us that, well, not the code, the code does not require us to ground. We just choose the ground, and then we have requirements to follow if you choose the ground, and we choose the ground because we found out that, well, you know, we like grounding better than ungrounded systems. Now. And that's A1, I think that, oh. The code also says that in 250.4A1, note, to, to limit imposed voltage, that would be from like a lightning and those other events, the grounding electroconductor, and we have not talked about this, Jacob, but you see this wire, and those of you guys that are watching this here, there's a definition. Brian, let's see if we can get the grounding electrode, and we can get a picture of that in a graphic. The code says, okay, well, you know, if you're going to go to ground, you got to take that to the wire to the earth. There's no wires. We have to put stuff in the earth. Those are called electrodes. And the wire that you're going to connect to the stuff in the earth is called the grounding electroconductor. So those are definitions in Article 100. And while Brian is getting that graphic there, let's take a look at it. I'll show you. This rod right here is a grounding electrode. We're extending that ground connection by the anchor bolts and going into the stu structural steel. So this grounding electroconductor is what goes to the grounding electrode or it gets to what it extends that grounding electrode connection. So that's your grounding electroconductor. Let's see what Brian has here. So Brian, why don't you talk about it and show us what you have there. All right, so we've got uh, several different types of grounding electrodes. We've got number one, which is the metal underground water pipe electrode. And then we've got number two right here, which is the concrete encased electrode. And then we've got number three, which is a ground ring. Number four, which is our ground rod right here. And number five is other listed electrodes. Okay, you have to change your mouse next time because we can't see it. Next time. Okay, so that's a grounding electrode. Can you show us a graphic there in a second? Listen when you're ready. What a grounding electroconductor. So grounding electrodes is like, since they don't come with terminals, then we go ahead and we put stuff in the dirt and we have to make sure we comply with the code and what's considered a connection to the earth. And now we're going to run a grounding electroconductor. You ready? Yep. Okay, tell us about a grounding electroconductor. All right, so here's our grounding electroconductor right here, and it's run into our two ground rods. And then we have right over here coming out of our transformer, we've got a, I guess, grounding electroconductor going to the extension of the grounding electrode, which is the building steel to the J-bolts to the grounding electrode, which is the Eufor steel. And out of our service, we've got a grounding electrode conductor here as well. Jacob, do you follow that? So we, we have rules to say, hey, uh, we just chose, we're going to ground our systems, 122.40, okay, we're going to ground. Well, then you'd have to go to a grounding electrode, and you have to run a grounding electroconductor to that. And then the coach has to tell you, well, what's a grounding electrode, and uh, what's a wire supposed to be like, and how do you install it, all those details inside there. So now going back to our graphic, to limit voltage imposed, 
the grounding electroconductor right here shouldn't be any longer than necessary and unnecessary bends and loops should be avoided. Eric, you want to tell us why does the code telling us to kind of limit the length and why is it worried about how we bend things and loop things? Well, the, um, okay, so it has to do with the frequency of the lightning. Lightning is about a megahertz, generally. It's a million cycles per second. In other words, it takes about a millisecond to go from zero to very high. And when you do that, the, the, if the wire is bent, it, it actually increases what's called the impedance, and it becomes a, what we can think of that as resistance, it becomes a choke or a block for the dissipation of the lightning current. Okay, and, and let me pick up on that. Again, electrical <coughs> fundamentals. I don't know if you remember this, Jacob, and fundamentals when you took that. We talked about frequency. We talked about, you know, 60 hertz would go zero to the peak, peak to zero, zero to the peak. And that was, uh, frequency was actually the rotation of a generator in that case, right? Mm -hmm. So that would have been how many times did a generator rotate in a second, and we had 60 hertz in, in the United States. But what's interesting about lightning, and I get this thing, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. Lightning doesn't have any frequency. You know what I mean? Lightning is not AC. What Eric is saying, you take a single lightning bolt from the point it goes from zero, and it goes to peak, and it comes back down to zero. He's saying that can happen about a millionth of a second. Well, if it, if it happens in a millionth of a second, then you can say, well, how many of those could happen in a second? Now, lightning is not alternating current because it only has one polarity, right? It only goes from zero to peak to zero. It doesn't then go the other direction. So lightning is direct current. People think, well, direct current doesn't have frequency. Well, yeah, it does. It does have a frequency because it's going from zero to peak back down to zero. It happens in a, in a millionth of About a second thousand, thousand or thousands of a second. Well, if it's happening in a thousand of a second, then how many of those would happen in a second? Then we would say it's, uh, what did you say, what frequency? It was a millisecond, yeah. So it's, it's, it's a megahertz. And Mega. so it's, uh, yeah, it is a microsecond. So it's and about so a million of a second. Right. Okay, I thought. All right, so it's happening in a megahertz. Well, whatever that means, okay, megahertz, it happens, it's DC, it's, it's frequency. Well, I don't know. But here's the key, I don't know if you remember this. When we cover inductive reactants and fundamental, there's a formula I don't even know if we covered that, and Brian, we need to check this out in, in fundamentals, that there's a formula. It, see, inductive, in, in, inductive reactance is measured in ohms. And, and the inductive reaction formula is 2 pi FL, which was frequency, part of that inductive reactance. So all of a sudden, you go from zero to peak back up there, and you're doing this in a millionth of a second. Well, the frequency is not 60 hertz. So a wire that's going to be carrying current or lightning current going at a millionth of a second frequency, it goes so fast, this causes the current to travel where? On the outside. On the outside. <clears throat> Called skin effect. Because it, it just can't get in there because it's, it's just going so fast, the frequency causes it to go on the outside, which means that we don't even actually care how big that wire is because it's not going on the inside of the wire, it's going on the outside surface known as skin effect. And so because of skin effect, because of inductive reactance, look what the code says. It says, hey, listen, to limit imposed voltage, because if you, if you have a higher reactance, well, then you're going to have a higher voltage. The grounding electroconductors shouldn't be any longer than necessary. Well, I guess if you made it half the distance, you would have reduced the inductive reactance by half because it's going to be linear. And then it goes on, and unnecessary bends and loops. A millionth of a second of this thing, this is like this fast bullet, has a hard time making those turns. 
You with me? Even though it's going to the outside, it just, it just, it makes it, I didn't feel loops. Oh, now, now it creates what? You make a loop? What do you create? You make a coil. And do you have counter EMF where one conductor carries current, expands magnetic field? Because when a conductor carries current, it creates what? Electromagnetic field, right? And now it causes what? It causes self-induction and it also causes self-induction in the other conductors in the loop. So we're trying to get this current to the earth because we really don't want to be damaging electrical conductor insulation inside of equipment. <coughs> so the best thing we can do is what? Ground the electrical system because Beeman showed us the eight different conditions inside here. So, but watch this, Jacob. And those of you that are, that are learning inside here, watch these guys. Guys, the system grounding prevents us from damaging equipment all the time. Not mm -hmm. all the nope. time. No. This is just like... Well, you know, or it um, can't prevent against it, everything. Maybe it, right. it, 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 the theory is that right, it, <coughs> it would be better than if you didn't. Right, right, right. It does protect all the time, but it doesn't work all the time. No, right. It protects all the time, but it doesn't work all the time. Right. So well, I don't want anybody thinking. Well, you have a ground, you have an electrical system, right? And you ground your system. There's a lightning strike outside. Just think that you're not going to be wiping out equipment inside of the building. But we want, it, we want to ground it just because we'd like to reduce it. Anything else? You yeah, yeah, Mike, I think one of the best phrases I've ever heard was, we never solve, prob we never solve problems, we trade problems. Yep. And so, you know, <laughs> what we do is we try to come up with systems where we're comfortable with the problems that we have. And so we'd solve other problems, but we have other ones come in. We Acceptable make sure risk. The new ones, yeah, are, are less than the other yeah. ones. Acceptable risk. Okay. Let me see if I can summarize this, because I don't think I want to talk about system grounding much more than this. So let me review this, okay? And you guys tell me if you guys are okay with this. Jacob, system grounding is to take the winding and connect it to something that's going to be conductive, that's going to be connecting to the earth, that in the event, and I'll go back over here, that we had these over-voltage events that could take place, that by us doing system grounding in some capacity, that that would be able to provide a path to the earth for high frequency currents and maybe even lower static electricity to be able to discharge it so that we could reduce the failure of conductor insulation. Okay? It's high frequency skin effect. So you're going to find out that when we get into the National Electric Code, what's the largest wire we would have to go to a ground rod? Six. So you won't know this, Jacob, but the guys six. here know what it is. Six. It's a six gauge wire. But it doesn't matter, Jacob, how big the electrical system is. It's still a six-gauge wire, which is a certain size wire, because we're just trying to bleed it off. We're not trying to clear a fault. Okay, I'm done with this, if you guys are okay with that. I'm now moving into the next rule, 254A2, which has to do with performance. It talks about metal parts of electrical equipment must be connected together and to the earth to reduce voltage to ground on metal parts from an indirect lightning strike. Brian, show that video again, that lightning event. Now, Brian's going to show that video. Well, he'll let me know when he's ready. When the lightning strikes near, it creates an electromagnetic field. When that electromagnetic field is going to do what with all the electrons inside the metal parts of a building? Well, it's going to put pressure on them. And that pressure that can be put on could be so great that that charge is trying to get to where? The earth. It's trying to get to the earth, but maybe it's not grounded, right? And if the metal parts are not grounded, it's now going to build millions and millions of volts. It's going to do what? It's going to discharge over and take off, hit a steel column somewhere or a plumbing thing inside of a building. You follow that, Jacob? 
Well, if you have what's called a side flash, so here you have a lightning event taking place outside, you put millions of voltage on the electric equipment inside, you don't provide a path to the earth, it's looking to discharge this point, and all of a sudden it, it goes around and it discharges and possibly goes through something combustible, and now you have a fire in a building. The other thing is possible that you have all these metal parts tied together, but they're not connected to the earth. There's a lightning event outside. It builds as millions of volts, and somebody somehow could be close enough to something that might be metallic, and now all of a sudden that discharge is to the individual. So inside of a house, you could get killed because of a lightning not even striking the building, but striking nearby. You follow the concept? I have a friend of mine, she was painting, and she was painting in Florida. She was painting, and she had paint on her hand as she was holding the brush. The brush was touching the metal yoke of the switch. She had the cover plate off at the instant the lightning struck, and she fell on the ground when she got struck by lightning. Well, she didn't get struck by lightning. When that she happened to be connected to something conductive standing on the earth at the instant the lightning struck outside of a property. Yes, Jacob. So how does the charge get from the lightning strike? to that place? Great question. The question is, well, how did you, she get that charge in the building? It's called induction. What happens when you have a current traveling in one direction, lightning going in one direction? Does it create a magnetic field? Yep. So that then becomes a magnetic field that does what to the metal parts? It induces a charge. That's where induction comes in. So now the metal parts, which is not even connected, it's like, well, how did you get the electrons on the secondary to work? Well, because there was a magnetic coil between the two. There was magnetic coupling. So there was magnetic coupling between the lightning current magnetic field and the metal parts in the building. And so what does the electrical code says? Hey, listen, bond all metal parts together. Yeah. And then what do you do with that? Connect it to the earth how many times? Once. Because we really don't want to have multiple connections because that's other issues inside there. So that's called equipment grounding. So let's take a look. Brian's going to show us what happens if hey, we have a lightning event. While we're watching it, watch this light right over here. We're talking about the effect of electromagnetic induction. Blew that baby right out. That's from induction. Magnetic field, electromagnetic pulse. Now, here's something really cool that I just happened to notice while I was looking. Because when you said that, I was like, well, we got to be able to see something. It was so close to the buildings. Watch. Watch right over here. Oh, yeah. What is that? Totally unrelated to something else. Smoking. It's smoking. Something else got fried from that there? lightning strike. Yeah. Somebody let the smoke out. We let the smoke <laughs> out right there. I don't know what that is, but whatever it was. That is a perfect picture of induction. Yeah. That was the person smoking a cigarette who let it go all the time. Like, <laughs> was smoking a cigarette. Okay. So guess what we have to do? The National Electric Code says what? No matter whether you ground a system or not, right, guys? It doesn't matter whether you ground a system. The equipment has to be grounded. It has to be bonded and right. grounded, yep. So you bond it all together, and then you do what? Now you ground a system at one time. Now, there's a couple rules, and let's just hit them lightly right now. Here's a utility coming in, and then here's a meter can, and this is going to be called the service disconnect. Jacob, does that make sense? That's the service coming in. We, we, you don't know this. Yeah, you do because we covered the UNC one. This is the service. Here's the service disconnect. We take the metal enclosure is what we're ultimately going to do, and we're going to connect it to the earth. And then at the remote building, we're going to do what? Take the metal enclosure, connect it to the earth. Why? Well, Eric, Brian, play that video again, and you can do it. I like the way you do it without playing it, just by moving it around, Arizona, because the, as that lightning does what it does. Oops, sorry. Yep. All right, so it strikes right about here. And then you can see the induction right behind there. 
So everything right that's there. in that area, right? all those metal parts, right? all those metal buildings are getting in, induced. We need to have all those metal buildings and all those metal parts connected to the earth. That's what's grounding us. So, Mike, is this a good time to mention other things that... Yeah, well, let's talk about it. What else? Well, under normal conditions, like it says in, in, in the NEC, you want to limit the... Um, Limit the voltage to ground on these materials. So under, under under normal circumstances, we want to do away with touch potential and other things. Let's take a look at 250. Brian, bring up 250. Are we talking about 250 to 4A2? Yes. I didn't know it says that on normal conditions. So I have it on my slide here. Well, he's probably, it doesn't say normal voltage. conditions. I add normal conditions. It says to limit the voltage to ground on these materials. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, I think I think just before getting out of grounding, it, it boils down to this. So... A1, A2 is if I have chosen to use a grounded system, I have two major rules, A1, A2. A1 says ground my system. Because you chose to do it. Right. So right. I chose to do it, so I'm going to ground the system. Here's, what, here's why. And the second part is not only the system, but all the conduit, the, the enclosures, all of those things also have to be connected to the earth so you don't have the side flashes, difference of potential, all those kinds of things. That's kind of the, the summary of the whole the whole A1, A2. That is perfect. Everybody agree with that? Yep. Yeah. That takes care of grounding, of a grounded system. And we're going to talk about ungrounded systems, yeah. and that'll be a different story there in a second. Okay. And Mike, Jacob, do you understand this? You see what's going on, the induction, the whole thing? Brian, anything? Yeah. yeah just before you leave that graphic, I, one of the things I like about this particular graphic is I think it really clarifies some of the confusion that we have of thinking that the electrical system is trying to get to Earth. Because if you go to that graphic, you can see that it's, very clear that the ground rods are going into the ground and just how it's working makes it a lot easier to understand that, hey, there's no electricity trying to go anywhere that's not from the system. It's just outside the system. And this graphic shows that the lightning did not strike the weatherhead. Right. Right. Did right. not strike the building. Right. If lightning strikes the weatherhead, there's nothing that we could possibly do no. about that. That no, is separate. So the NEC is just simply saying, you know, if you want to prevent the electrical system from being destroyed, then you go to NFPA 780, and there's a standard that talks about putting air terminals on how to provide lightning protection, which we'll talk about later on. So just understand, because I've heard even code panel members saying, well, no, the code is about lightning. I'm like, kind of, yeah, but not lightning striking the electrical system, because we can't do anything about that at all. All right, I'm done with grounding. I'm now going to move over to 250.4A. Oh, I'm sorry. Failure to ground can cause a magnetic field, right? And that can damage maybe equipment inside there. Okay. And it's a good thing on that one. If you look and see, it's actually, there was a <laughs> ground rod there and it just got damaged in some way. And so it's not that somebody didn't originally do it. It just got damaged and disconnected. So but now this, and we're talking about A2, which is equipment grounding. Yep. Right. right. Mm -hmm. and, and in reality, um, equipment grounding would not be damaging equipment. So we did, this graphic is actually wrong because if you don't ground equipment, which you could have as a fire, you could have electric shock, but equipment grounding doesn't have anything to do with protecting equipment inside. That would be the, sep that would be the system grounding. This is equipment grounding here, not equipment grounding. All right, let's watch the video here. Okay, 250.4A2 requires electrical equipment to be grounded. As we've seen previously, a ground rod or other electrode is suitable as a connection to the earth, which means it's grounded. 
In this case here, we're coming out of the meter cam with a grounding electric conductor. It's going through an inter-system bonding termination that we use to connect the telephone. Here's the telephone cable, what have you. And then there's a conductor running all the way through here, which is going to be our grounding electrode conductor. This is grounding. Does this help in any way to clear a fall to make it safe from electric shock? The answer is no. So why do we ground at all? The theory is that if lightning strikes, where there's lightning, in Florida there's a lot of lightning here, that it's going to create a magnetic field and it's going to put pressure and induce energy on all the metal parts. And for an instant of a second, the high frequency energy is going to be simply discharged into the earth. The theory is that if we didn't do that, maybe there's going to be a side flash of the metal parts to something conductive in the building. Maybe even somebody inside the building would get shocked because lightning strike, induce energy, no way to get to the earth. It shoots across inside the building, maybe somebody using something electrical, and you're going to get shock. It does not assist in clearing a fault because that's not the purpose of grounding. All right, let's move on to the next one. Hopefully, those of you that are watching, you have better. And this is why, you know what? I, he talked fast, Mike. I did get a little excited, so I'm sorry about that. Mike Colbert back here is going. <laughs> so I got a little excited. So you might have to play that one all over again just to try to hear what I was talking about. I just get a little excited when I get the bonding and grounding.